This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Monday, September 13th, and this is Season 6, Episode 5 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Joel. Hello. Uh, Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Sam M. Or American hey. Sam. Or Cincinnati hey. Sam. <laughs> well, whichever works. How's it going, guys? We haven't decided yet, but... Um, well, I want to start this conversation today with uh, dropping my drink all over the place, but... Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, I want to start the conversation with um, the international break because this it kind of leads into everything else that comes up happens this week uh, with us. Uh, uh, so we went on an international break on a high, uh, three consecutive wins. We're sitting in first place. Arsenal sitting in last place, just to kind of set the stage. Um, and we kind of get this shit show of injuries and uh, and drama that happens uh, between um, our our players in Argentina and, uh, and then some significant injuries to players such as Sun, uh, Bergvine, um, Sassignan, um, and, and then the, the, the lineup for our upcoming week becomes, uh, obviously a concern and that's going to lead us into the crystal palace. But, um, but let's talk a little bit about this international break first. Um, so, um, what are your guys thoughts on these, injuries like uh i know we all kind of hate the international break for this reason but uh let's start with uh joe yeah it was a it was a bit of a disaster wasn't it absolute shocker i mean other than kane getting injured it was seemed that everything else that could have gone bad did go bad um we talked on the last pod about the situation with the south americans so we kind of knew that was going to be an issue um I mean, it's just a complete, it's just a complete mess. Um, it's Son getting injured against, I think it was Lebanon, one of these stupid matches. Um, even Bergvine, who'd worked his way back into the Netherlands team, he got injured. I mean, it's just, it's just a bit of a disaster. So we'll go into the Palace game. I don't think this mitigates how bad that was, but it's, of course, I, I, you can't help but feel some sympathy for Nuno. This was a bit of a terrible situation. Yeah, and to come down off of the high that we were on um, with, with all the this terrible situation that you had to kind of work out, and we'll t- t- certainly talk, touch on Crystal Palace. I, again, I agree with you, Joe, that this does, does, isn't an excuse for what happened against Crystal Palace, uh, but you kind of understand where it's coming from a little bit more after we suffered this way under injuries in any team that was in our position with all those injuries and, and issues. Um, would probably struggle uh, somewhat, like even the cities and Chelsea's of the world that are really too deep um, wouldn't have a great time go of it. But, uh, Lucas, yeah, um, just I mean, touching on what Joe kind of alluded to, and we'll get into it when we talk about Palace. But um, I mean, ever since we walked off the pitch against Watford, it just seems like everything just started to slowly go downhill, and it was just—I mean, it was a complete circus. It was just thing after thing after thing with that crap that went on down there in Brazil with the Argentina guys. And I I haven't even seen anything like that in my life. Um, But 
I mean, you just look, it was just thing after thing piling up. And there is a lot that, uh, there is a lot of blame. There's some things that just cannot be helped. Uh, talking a little bit about Palace, but like, I mean, there's blame to go on Nuno and there's blame to go on some of the guys, but there's a lot just from that international break that you can't help. I mean, that was just, I mean, it's just about as unlucky as you can get on an international break. Like Joe said, barring Kane, like barring a meteor hitting Wembley and taking out half our players, I, I just don't know what else could have possibly gone wrong in that international break. That was chaos. Uh, you're on mute there, Anthony. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, sorry, uh, Sam, any thoughts before we transition? Uh, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate, like, what happened, but it just kind of seems that a lot of these injuries are kind of fatigue-related. And, you know, they're, like, anybody who's called up to an international squad nowadays, it looks like they're expected to play, like, three matches in, like, a matter of a week, kind of like similar to the stretch that we had last year where we had to play Chelsea, uh, Maccabi Haifa, and the uh, Europa League and United all within a week's time. And it's like it only during that span, like we were the furthest we had to go outside of London was Manchester. Whereas, you know, these guys are, they're out on international duty. They first got, most of them have to travel to another country and then have to travel across different countries at the same time. It's like, you know, the fatigue has to be a factor. And like I, in, in some of these injuries, and I don't know how, like how that isn't considered like ahead of time by the governing bodies, like, you know, that this could happen, especially during global pandemic of all times. Well, in, in the quarantining rule guidelines and stuff like that, the, the fact that the league uh, allowed these players to, to leave, um, there, there's some faulty reasoning. Uh, I understand that they want to get these World Cup qualifiers in because it is important for determining who's going to uh, make it to the next World Cup. But um, but given the situation and uh, like what what happened with the injuries and the BS with the players in Brazil being arrested and 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 all that nonsense and now having to quarantine uh, in a third party country before they can return it's it, it's just unnecessarily unnecessary drama and yeah it has put our players at risk and we've got an international break coming up in three weeks and we're gonna have to go through it all over again and. Um, there's got to be a better way. Um, I don't know if that's playing this all in the summer before the league starts or something like that. But Lucas, yeah, I, exactly what you were just touching on is I I just can't believe the stupidity of the way this is all handled. With like like you mentioned that another three weeks we're going to have to do this again, and I don't get why. Because even next year for this World Cup, and you guys know I hate international football to begin with, but like. Next year, during the World Cup, it's going to be in the middle of, like, what, all of November and December or something. So it's like, if that's what was going to be the World Cup next year, we should have done something similar to at least do, like, the qualifiers this year, where even if that says, hey, in the middle of December, we're going to take, when we get to the halfway point of the season or something, we'll do a, even if it needed to be condensing the amount of international breaks and you say, we're going to do one block of everyone goes home. We do one block where it's three weeks in November or one, another block where we do one week of all of Jan or three weeks of all of January and we get it all out of the way or something. But 
to have to keep treating it like it's a regular season when it's not and you have these different quarantine rules and every country's got a different oh they're green or they're red based on like statistics and it's it's chaotic and it certainly throws some teams like us right now under the bus yeah uh joe i don't know if you saw but the um there's this proposal at the moment which i i think is ridiculous and i bet lucas hates it more than anyone the idea of having the world cup every two years i don't know if you've seen that oh, it's uh arson, oh. arson wenger's involved with this uh suggestion of course and it is like universally regarded as a terrible idea but i've got to say one thing that did come out of it that i do agree with i i, I hate the idea of that but the one thing that came out was just what lucas was mentioning then there was a suggestion that basically they take I don't know, five weeks out of the calendar at some, whenever it may be, around Christmas time or whenever, and just play these internationals then. Because you're absolutely right. Having an international break in September and then one in October and one in November is is just insane. I mean, you're sending players to South America from Europe three times in three months. I mean, if, what? how is that a good you know, arrangement. It's terrible for everybody. It's just logistically horrendous. So I think there's a lot to be said for what Lucas is kind of suggesting there, just taking out five weeks of the season and just saying, right, get all these bloody internationals out the way, play them all in one fell swoop, and then we can, um, you know, not worry about them anymore. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, it's a, definitely a, a worthwhile strategy. I don't know why they wouldn't consider it. Um, Definitely don't want to see a World Cup every two years because uh, then it takes away the uh, the seriousness of it, and then you're also making these qualifiers have to happen every uh, every year as as well instead of uh, every other year you're worrying about your qualifiers for it. Um, it just it seems like it would be a mess. So I I would be totally against that, but the grouping all together the internationals a little bit more i i like that idea um you know even if it is halfway through the year you do it in january and then uh, the season runs until a little bit later that would be fine with me it'd be much better than the way it is now and if you have injuries then they have some time for recovery maybe um if they happen early enough in the uh, uh international break but um well good thoughts there guys uh but uh, i think this 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 topic does lead right into our uh, our next topic, which is going to be the Crystal Palace match. So we're coming a, a weakened squad. I think we were all waking up not realizing, uh, since it was bright and early here in Chicago that day, none of us were sure who we were going to see in that squad. I mean, I think a, thought of, a lot of us thought that if Skip was available, that we we would uh, see a midfield uh, of Hoybier and, and Skip, and then maybe one more attacking player on. Whether that's an Indombele if he uh, trained enough in the time period they had, or whether it was uh, uh, Delhi playing there, and then someone like Brian Hill as a winger up to, top in place of uh, Son with the injury that we were confident he wasn't going to be available for. Um, but we saw something completely different out of Nuno, and I think this does uh, justify a little criticism where we had Winks back there, kind of like no creative outlet out of the midfield. Uh, uh, two d- defensive-minded pe- people and one person is more of kind of like a lateral pass, recycle-the-ball type uh, midfielder. Um, and uh, it showed. We didn't. We had barely had any shots on target. We, we were looking pathetic even before anything else that we'll 
surely talk about bad happened in this game. Um, it was it was just plain ugly, and I I do think um, as much as Nuno deserved a lot of credit for those first three wins, I think uh, he he deserves uh, credit for this failure too as well with uh, setting that up that midfield. Uh, Lucas, you want to comment first? Yeah, I'm, I agree with you there. Um, I think this one is on Nuno. Um, if we're going to sing his praises for the first three games, we do have to hold him accountable when it goes the other way. Um, but I think for me, the biggest problem was the failure in its predictability. So it, it wasn't as – had he tried a – and again, we I'm not – Premier League manager, so I don't have the tactical prowess that he would have, of course, but I mean, if he had tried something like a, maybe getting Ndombele involved, maybe getting and again, we don't know the inner workings of the attitude situation, or even if he's fit or all that crap, but there had to be something else starting Brian Hill up top or out on the way. It's like anything that could have been done, you had to take some other chance than what we did, um, because the predictability of what we threw out there, I think every one of us knew exactly what was going to happen the second that lineup came out. And it, it is what happened. It's like you have that midfield with Skip and Winks and Hoybeer. You knew nothing creative was coming out of that. It was very – it was almost like he just said from the second – he said, okay, the international break was tough. We got dealt a bad hand, so we're just going to try and make this a draw. And even with the the international break, that it, like the downsides and the bad parts that happened, and the disadvantages, I still think we should have actually tried to go actually get three points at Crystal Palace. And I think that when you have that predictability again with even the only possible attacking options were going to be what? Coming from Delhi or from Lucas or Kane. And Delhi himself hasn't been the Delhi that we remember. I don't know if that Delhi still is in there, but we see flashes here and there. But for the most part, all he's been is like a workhorse box to box causing breakups in play, working his ass off defensively, stuff like that. So he hasn't been the the Deli Ali of 2017 or 18 that could bang in a brace or something like that. So you basically just said, hey, Kane, you and Lucas, good luck. Hopefully one of you guys can rip off something magical. Other than that, we're not getting a goal today. Uh, I think, Joe, you were next and then Sam. Yeah, um, I mean, Lucas pretty much hits the nail on the head. I mean, Lucas, you say you're not a Premier League manager, but you don't need to be. Like, I'll call it on your behalf. You said in the group chat, "I'll be surprised if we have a shot today." That was your, and we had two shots, and I think one of them was in the last minute, and wasn't even a shot. I don't think it just was going toward goal as a pass. So it was dreadful. But I think you're exactly hitting on the right issue. Like to me, this is a huge red flag, not because we lost to Crystal Palace and not even because we played terribly, but because Nuno looked at the options available and the fixture and decided that that was the best option to play free, like attritional defensive, you know, midfielders. He was setting up not to lose that game. And we've just come back off, you know, Mourinho with his defensive football. We're, we're crying out for a bit of, you know, flair and, something to get excited about with supporters. You know, we all got up early in the morning on a weekend so we could watch that game and what for what one real shot on goal in the whole 90 minutes. I, I can't believe that he, the midfield's actually been okay so far. I think, I think Delhi's worked well in that midfield three, 
So for him to change that, bring Winks in, who we all, you know, we all know Winks is no world beater. He's not going to get any assists. He's not going to really make an attacking impact. And to play Delhi, like Lucas says, we know Delhi isn't as effective in that position anymore. He's doing a good job as this deep line runner. He's doing fine at that. Keep him in that role. Give Brian Hill a debut. If you're not going to play him when there's injuries to all the other attacking midfielders, when are you going to play him? Like, we may as well loan him out then if he's not going to play when everyone else is unavailable. Lo Celso is unavailable and Dombele is not match fit. You know, we talked about Bergwijn injured, Son injured, and Hill still doesn't get a game. So you've got to question that. Um, so, yeah, my main issue here was just with how he set up. I think that was so negative and just it's how he can complain about a lack of creativity after setting up with that team is just baffling to me because there was no creativity in the team he picked from the start. Yeah, I think that's the point. Uh, uh, Sam? Yeah, I, I fully agree. Like, I saw three central midfielders in there, and it's like none of them are creative players. It's like, you know, they, you know you've got Hoiberg, who's pretty world-class ball winner, guy who can win you possession, get possession. Um, Delhi, who's, you know, good box-to-box runner. But I, I was looking at, I'm like, you know, we've been, in terms of creating shots, like, in attacking in recent years, we've been kind of relying on the counterattack. I saw nothing on the edge, like nothing in the outside areas. When I first saw that lineup, I saw that lineup and I was just thinking, well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe, you know, we just try to survive the first half. We introduce Brian Hill on in the second half. Um, But, you know, I also look at, you know, very early on into the game, we lost Dyer, who was, you know, we we all know he's seemingly a very important guy in the dressing room, good energy, everyone gets along with him. Furthermore, he's in form right now. He was nominated for player of the month in the Premier League. A guy like that gets hurt in the first 10 minutes. He's on form. Everybody likes him. There's good energy. He gets hurt. Get sucked out. It's almost like Hugo at the beginning of the Brighton game in 2019. Yeah, well, and, and to your point, like on on that, Sam, like you, even the tactics were impacted by by uh, Dyer going off. Like he very Nuno very well could have planned. Okay, we're just going to play defensive, get through this first half with a, a really strong defensive team, not give anything up, and then second half once we hit around the the 55th, 60th minute, like we put Brian Hill on, we put a couple attacking players on, and then we go for it. If, I'm not saying that that was what the plan was, but if it was, that could have gotten ruined by Dyer having to be subbed off so early um, and made it a little bit more difficult to make that transition because we had to immediately sub a defender instead of an attacking player. Um, and, and then obviously the red card, which we'll, we'll talk about later, uh, ru- ruined it even uh, further. Um, uh, Lucas? Yeah. Um, I, I, again, with A, you could talk like Sam had mentioned Hugo. A, Hugo was part of basically the reason Dyer got hurt on that anyway from just sloppy play there. Um, but is, with Dyer coming out, we didn't really miss a beat by slubbing in Rodan. I think Joe Rodan was fantastic yesterday as he just slopped slotted in immediately, hadn't played under uh, under Nuno yet, hadn't played for Spurs in a while, has coming off the injury. He comes in and he didn't miss a beat. So 
technically it's like yes that did throw a wrench maybe in the like the tactical plans in terms of subs but we still didn't have anything even remotely looking offensive in that first half I think there was a stat it was at like they showed it underneath the little bit where you have the score up at the top of the screen it was in like the 40 something minute and it says we hadn't touched the ball in the box since the 14th minute not a shot not a like not a shot on target just touched the ball in the box and from the 14th minute to the 40th like that's a massive problem and I think when you set up the way we set up it sends that message that because again I don't think we looked like we were trying to actually score a goal till we were down two in the 80th minute then all of a sudden we looked like okay let's start going forward why does it take that long well and there's also the intangibles about Tyre going off like I think Tyre is a bit of a leader on the, the field he does get in people's faces you have to wonder if there could could have been some different impact with the whole Tanganga and uh, situation and whether he was getting so heated would Dyer have uh, stepped in and uh, and yelled, yelled in people's faces and 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 cooled off the situation a little bit? I mean that's that's all speculation, but I mean it, you have to wonder if there was an in, intangible impact there as well uh, with Dyer going off. The, um, uh, but I agree with you, Roden was was definitely serviceable when he came on. He looked good, uh, Joe. Uh, Anthony, I think that's a Brilliant point. I I really think there's something in that. And I, I was going to make the same point, but not in relation to Dyer. But I absolutely agree Dyer would have been helpful in that situation. But I was going to kind of mention that in respect to the team generally. And like we've talked in the past about the lack of, you know, leaders like in the team. When a young player like Tanganga, you can see why he got annoyed with that situation. Lucas got fouled. And it was injured, and Palace played on as they're, I suppose, allowed to because it wasn't a head injury. They don't have to kick it out of play technically. And that's what got Tanganga so, you know, irate. And he fouled uh, Zaha and it all kicked off. And he obviously, with the second yellow, was still, he hadn't calmed down, even it was like five, six, seven, eight minutes later. And I think that's really a failure of. Of course, it's Tanganga's fault he, he made the second tackle. But someone like Kane, who's meant to be the vice-captain, right? Oh, I mean, it's hard for Hugo. He's the goalkeeper. He ain't going to rush out <laughs> to the outfield. And But someone should have put their arm around Tanganga. He was a young player, inexperienced, and just said, look, calm down. You know, you, or Even if you can sense he's going to do another stupid tackle, get the substitution. Do something like that. You, you can see that a mile away, right? Like So I think... That's the teams, the the senior players in the team should have identified that because we could all see that as fans, that Sanganga's on the edge here, he's going to do something daft, and lo and behold, he, he does. Um, I think Dyer would have been useful. I think that's a great point, Anthony. I think he would have perhaps calmed him down then. Yeah, uh, Lucas? Yeah, I mean, and Dyer has his... It's, we, we have to find someone that can be that on-the-field leader because even with Dyer, it's... It's not like he's Mr. Calm and collected all the time either. This is a guy we're talking about that ran up into the crowd to fight fans less than like a year and a half ago. Like, so, I mean, I, I think it has to come from, there has to be some kind of accountability on Kane. If you're going to be the vice captain, I feel like only the only time we ever see Kane doing any captain like stuff is when he's coming up to the ref arguing after some of one of our guys has just colossally fucked. The only time we ever see Kane doing any leadership role is stepping up and screaming at the ref 
and getting in the ref's face after we've just conceded a dumb penalty or got a red card. It's we need you to be showing those leadership qualities before that shit happens, not after. And I just I don't know if we ever see it with Kane. I can't think of any times where I've thought, wow, great leadership there by Kane to help us out of a tight spot or we need to have somebody on the pitch that can do that. And I don't know who it is yet, but I, like you said, maybe, it, maybe it could have been Dyer yesterday, but it's got to come from somewhere. And it's been a big problem for us over the last couple of years is we haven't had it. Yeah. And you've mentioned Kane here. And I think this uh, might be a good transition that you're talking a little bit about Kane, because we can talk about the atrocious midfield field plan. Um, and not that I think any of them performed poorly. It's just, they, they weren't the right players for the right job. Um, but uh, Kane is the right man. He's the guy, the one guy on the team that you want out there where, like, son's not available, um, our squad's hurt, we, we need uh, some, some impressive miracle goals. Um, he's the guy that you want to step up to the plate and put, put the team on his back and, and, and do a job. And I yes, I understand he wasn't getting any service. It, it's tough to uh, accomplish a lot. Um, and he did try his thing a little bit where he drops back into the midfield. But, I mean, he barely had any touches in the box. Um, it didn't look like his heart was in it. Like, I, I hate to keep saying that about Kane, and I don't want to think that, like, he's um, his head's still in City. Because um, I really thought, you know, he's back with us now, and he's going to play, if only to look good for himself and get his his uh, transfer in a future year, he's he's going to come and look good. But I, I'm not seeing it. He he he's not picking us up. It didn't look like he he uh, his heart was in it. He's definitely not acting like a leader out there now. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Kane in this? Uh, let's start with Sam with this one. Um, you know it's it's kind of sad to see. You know, like. I kind of hope he'd be kind of stepping up in that leadership role, um, help, you know, you know, trying to get the players in the right space of mind instead of consoling them or defending them to the refs. You know, that's kind of reactionary. He's got to see something going on, especially with Tanganga, um, and just say, hey, hey, cool it. You know, you've, you haven't been in this position before. Um, and quite frankly, like, I thought that was, like, out of, character for Tanganga is a guy who's shown a lot of discipline like for a young player anytime we've seen him and I was I was kind of shocked to see it kind of all in bold like that and I think we as humans all capable of kind of losing it at times but you know when you're being watched by a worldwide audience you've got to keep in mind like hey you lose it here you're you're good to go and you're toast yeah, I mean, I, w- I really just would want to see him pick, a, even if he didn't pick us up by um, being a leader on the field, p- pick up the club by like scoring an amazing goal or or, or doing an amazing play or, or picking out a just incredible pass to uh, to Delhi um, to, to to try and get us back in it. Like there, there's something that Kane could have done <laughs> to um, that was performance-wise, even if it wasn't um, leadership-wise. Uh, Lucas? Uh, yeah, there's... Cause, I mean, it's very easy to sit there and be like, oh, man, I wish Kane would have scored a worldie yesterday. Come on, Kane. Like, you know, that stuff, <laughs> you can't just pull those uh, out of, like, you can't just pull those rabbits out of the hat every time. There's... It's just... It, sometimes it just isn't that day. But 
I would have liked to see more of leader. We can sit there and we can criticize. The easy one to criticize leadership wise is the Tanganga moment, because that's where there was the clear, like clearly that at that point it was pretty much over and we were kind of fucked. Um, but so that that's an easy one to criticize leadership. I would like to see him from a leadership role in a game like yesterday where nothing's going forward. You would think out of every single player on the pitch, he must have been or he should be the one that's fuming about how little he's getting up top. A player with his hunger and his ability, he should be out of his mind upset with the fact that he hasn't had a shot on target yet or that he's not getting consistent service or that we're not actually taking the ball forward and trying to score on this team. That's the type of shit I would like to see him turning to hell, turn to his fullbacks even who didn't want to go forward with the ball yesterday anyway. It's like turn to anyone and trying to actually start pushing us up the field as opposed to just saying, all right, we don't really want to go forward today. I'll sit up top. Uh, if a ball comes to me, it comes to me. If not, eh. So that's the bit where I would like to see, because again, Lucas Mora, every time he got the ball was doing the classic Lucas Mora, which is it could be Lucas Mora could be playing Barcelona and Madrid combined by himself. And he's going to get the ball and he's going to want to go take it out. Like that's his mindset. And I, it, I love it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but, we need other people to have that mindset too, where you get the ball and you actually want to carry it forward into space or at least, at least make somebody has to look like they want to go and score. And yeah. I'd like to see Kane show a little bit more of that. And maybe these other younger guys will feed off of that. Yeah. Joe. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely something in that. Um, I mean, in, in this game in isolation, like you all already said, you can't really blame King. To, he just didn't get any service at all. Like he didn't get anything. Did I think? I believe he didn't even touch the ball in their penalty area. I I, I understand that it's the fifth game ever that he didn't touch the ball in the opposition's penalty box. So he just wasn't getting anything. But I think Lucas is, has got a point there. If you think back to when, um, like around ten years ago, when Gareth Bale was the talisman of a team that season before he went to Madrid. You think like that team, Bale kind of pulled that team up, right? Like he would just find ways of just digging us out when we were playing absolutely shit. He would just kind of inspire the team. And uh, in it, he was like a really positive talisman. And you think of like Gerard when Liverpool, you know, they weren't challenging for the title back then. They weren't at that good a team, but he was always really like a positive talisman for the team. And with Kane, I kind of, maybe it's this whole transfer thing has clouded my like, opinion of him in some way but he just seems to be so like petulant and like negative and just almost not a positive energy like you understandably he was frustrated but I think Lucas is right I think there's ways there's other examples of players who are the best player in the team who find ways of making the team elevated rather than just kind of trudging around and you know not really like not really engaged and I, I Although he didn't get any service, I, I do think there's something in that that, that we, you can be a little critical of just how he his demeanor is in in general at the moment. Yeah, I think I think there's things that you can do, like when you do get the uh, finally get a through pass, like uh, even if it doesn't go well, you congratulate that player that that, that w- was trying, and, and it shows that you're encouraging other players to to make other attempts. Um, and there wasn't any of that. And I know, granted, there wasn't a lot that was given to him that he could do that with. But, um, but yes, yeah, start, start calling out for the ball and, and, and talking to people and showing that you care. Um, 
I think that can make a huge difference because, yeah, he doesn't have any service. It's tough to blame him for everything that happened. But at the same time, like, I would have liked to have seen more. I mean, hell, like, just start playing midfield until the ball gets out of the midfield. I mean, I, 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 you're good enough that you can do that. I mean, that would pick the team up enough. Like, uh, make your fullbacks uh, uh, make runs because because you're the one carrying the ball instead of them. Um, get something going. There's there's ways that you, that you can step in and do it. But, uh, Lucas? Yeah, and, and that's kind of what I mentioned when I brought up the fullbacks was something that to try and get us to to go forward and make those runs, especially down the side with our fullbacks. Because in a game like yesterday where Kane's getting no service, there's not a lot of opportunities for these goals to happen. So sometimes maybe just try and get a corner. Like Royale went down the right side and forced a corner by taking it to the end line in the first few minutes of the game. And then after that, no one ever did it since. So in a game where, okay, we're not really, doesn't look like a goal's coming at all. Well, maybe if we start getting a few corners, something can happen and we can get a goal and that can alter the way the game's being played. Something like that that has to happen, but it's not going to happen sitting back in our own box. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. I mean, I, I and there's plenty of blame to go around here, um, and it's it, it's easy to blame Tanganga for losing his cool, um, but I think there was opportunities to uh, to change that. Um, let's talk a little bit about those fullbacks. I mean, we got our first look at uh, Emerson Royal. I. I I think that there were a couple moments, like the one that you just talked about, Lucas, where he he looked like he had the right stuff, um, but clearly he had, didn't have, have enough training time with the the squad to uh, um, to to be what we needed here. Like I almost think we would have been better having Tanganga on the right and and, and uh, a different center back pairing, whether that was Roden Dyer to begin with. Um, like I think we we might have been in a better position this match. Why change what was 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 working like you know and then then just have your skip in uh hoy bier like you normally would the deli in the midfield and then try something else out on the the wing or in the attack um whether that's uh uh Ndombele or or brian hill i think those were the two options um it i i think those were those were the two big mistakes. Like uh, I think Emerson needs his playing time and I think he's going to be, uh, could be immense for us, but he's still young and raw and to throw him in to this situation without much training. I don't think that was the, the, the right answer. Uh, Joe. Yeah, I, I think this was a tough call though. I mean, I agree with you. And we were saying this last week on the, or two weeks ago, whatever, when we previewed this game, that throwing Emerson in and his debut against Zaha is not the, you know, not the easiest opponent to be up against. And I thought he did okay. It wasn't like Zaha absolutely destroyed him. I mean, Zaha's a good player and he, he got the better of Emerson a few times and a few times Emerson was able to get the better of him. I don't think it was a a bad performance by uh, Emerson. And I, I, but I do agree with you, Anthony. I think perhaps... In hindsight, Tanganga on the right. And like Lucas said, Rodon did a really good job. Um, if Rodon isn't going to play when there's three centre-backs missing, Dyer, Sanchez and Romero, then you question when he's going to play. You know, it's like we've got these players. He kind of seems reluctant to use them, right? It's like we do have players in that position and we're moving players out of other positions to accommodate them. You know, we're moving Delhi out of position 
to play Winks. Well, why don't we just keep Delhi in that position and play Heal or Undombele? Why don't we keep Tanganga at right back and put in Rodon? It, it just seems reluctant to, to play these players. But um, I, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think the defence actually did okay. I think they were collectively and individually. I mean, of course, Tanganga got the red card, but I thought he was having a good game until he kind of lost his head. And I, I think they're the least culpable of the whole team, the defence. I thought the defence was the, the best part of our team by a long way, actually. No, I agree. I mean, it was certainly that we were toothless in the attack and then the midfield was just redundant, uh, um, which I don't know if that's the player's fault, uh, but but certainly redundant is the best word for, for what we saw. Um, uh, any final thoughts on this before we start kind of talking players and switch to MVP, LVP? Um Okay, well let's do let's switch it to MVP LVP and uh, I think MVP is going to kind of be tough after this 3-0 loss and yeah those goals were all scored after um after the red card and um it kind of just the wheels came off but um well, who who looked good out there to to you guys let's uh, start with Lucas first Yeah, I kind of already touched on it with Joe Roden um I mean that was a as Joe had just mentioned, I had no problem with the way we played defensively for the majority of that game until we were down a man. And after that, that's pretty much to be expected anyway. Um, uh, it's once, once we got that, uh, once we went down a man with Tanganga's red card, all of a sudden it's, it's a completely different game. And now there's palace smells blood in the water and it's completely flipped. But I think Joe wrote it to come in and again, not having played a minute for us all season, to get thrown in in that situation, come slot in and not even miss a beat. I think he was fantastic. And he looked like he was had been starting for us week in and week out. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for how he played yesterday. Good shout there. I like that one. Uh, Sam, let's go to you next. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, double up on the, the Roden comment. I mean, even though I think Dyer's injury really impacted us, I think Roden came in, played admirably, um, played really well, like, you know, and truly showed what he's capable of. I think he's going to be someone who we should be relying on and being in it, being a regular in the squad for years to come, hopefully. Um, but it, for me, it's just really hard to name an, an MVP from this, this match just because, you know, like, Nothing seemed to work, um, and, like, no one really executed their job, like, so well to the point where or, – or did something so outstanding that that they'd really stand out and say, wow, he's the reason why we did well in this area. So I, I can't – sorry, I can't name, name an MVP right now. No, I got you, and, like, it's, it's tough, but uh, let's go to Joe next. It, it it really is tough. Um, I, I would agree, though. I think Rodon did a really good job when he came in under difficult circumstances. First game of the season, you know, got a lot of injuries. Tough game. I, I thought he, he defended really well. Um, I suppose I'll give a just a notable mention. I thought Lucas was the best of a... Of, I mean, it's going to say a bad bunch, but I, in terms of attacking players, but it wasn't even that. Like, you can't say that, for example, Kane played like badly it's just he didn't get the ball and you know it's it's hard to really critique too much 
uh, him, but I'd say that Lucas was the one who showed the most endeavour and actually, well, he he had two shots of the whole game, so he deserves some sort of a, a mention for that. But I'd say Rodon was the best player for us. Yeah, and I agree with Rodon. And I'll just add on top of what you guys said. Like he also um, shifted to both center back positions after Tanganga went off. He he, he swapped over to the uh, to the right side of the the pairing, which we know he's played there before. But um, but you know he was solid and and uh, uh, had to adjust uh, um, on the pitch because of the situation, which uh, which showed a little bit of class. Which I'm feeling good about him now. Maybe it's a blessing that he's getting this opportunity now before Ramiro comes back, and um, and maybe we we see if we have a player there that might might be able to slot in with any of our. Uh, center backs in the future so uh, so good shout there but i think this is probably gonna be the more interesting conversation and let's go to lvp first and like since we started with lucas for for uh mvp let's go to lvp for him first uh yeah i mean there's there's a bunch of people you could theoretically give it to um i think i, I would like to see a little bit more out of certain guys um Again, even in the midfield and defense, I don't think we played bad. I think it was exactly what we expected it to be, which is a big problem. Um, I would like to see a guy like Regulon actually go forward and try and make some – because you knew they were going down on uh, our right side the whole time. Like Zaha was just trying to go after Royale. So I would like to see us try and use Regulon, get more out of him. But, again, he just didn't have – he had another bland performance, but – I have to give it to Tanganga, um, which is unfortunate because like Joe had mentioned too, I think Tanganga was actually playing very well until that red card. But in a game like that, where if we don't do that red card or he doesn't do that stupid second yellow, I don't, it wasn't as if Palace had been knocking on the door and their goals were coming. It was, there was still a chance that we get a goal out of something or something could happen. Maybe a last second goal, like a, the dire one against West Ham where it was against the run of like something could have happened, but the last possible thing you can do is just be that stupid and make that, let your emotions get the best of you. And you basically threw us under the bus. Cause had he not done that, we're probably walking out of there with a draw. We're probably disappointed with it, but we're saying, Hey, we got dealt a bad hand. We made the, we made the best out of it. We got a point. Let's move on. But instead we got absolutely smacked out of it and it really hurt us. And it just, it was one moment of, stupidity and he really threw his team and us under the bus yeah uh, you make a very strong case uh uh, sam uh you're mute yep i'm good um i'm gonna go with tanganga as well just that lack of discipline um in terms of you know getting like a double yellow within 10 minutes of each other that's unheard of what and it was really just out of character for him i mean it's kind of the it's the first moment we've ever seen like this film i but i think it's it'll be a learning experience from him um he's he's been a reliable player so far in his career i i, I can i'm not going to say it's not going to happen again because i think he has a very long very good career ahead of us uh, ahead of him with us um but, but yeah, I think really that that kind of changed the match when he got that double yellow within minutes of each other. But a shout out to Winks for LVP. Like 
I just don't know, understand like why he was in the team. I just think he, he was just in there just to, so we could, so Nuno could get a look at him, but, and Nuno probably only plan originally planned to play him for one half. It, and, you know, if he didn't, if the performance was expecting the first half, which it was, I think Nuno would have taken him off if Dyer had not gotten hurt. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Uh, Wink, Winks was not very, like if you want to look at the performance and not ju- just judge based off of the uh, red card, which certainly uh, was the ruining point of this game. And uh, um, but yeah, Winks performance wise did not look that great either. Like or, or just d- didn't seem like he was doing anything useful. Uh, Joe. So. Yeah, although I, I absolutely agree with what Sam and Lucas said about Tanganga, I, I think what I would say is Tanganga's actions pr- probably, like Lucas said, cost us a point. You know, I, I do I do agree that Palace weren't really looking that much like scoring, although they were the, certainly the more dominant team and they were playing better. They didn't really look like scoring. Maybe had a couple chances that we blocked. So I, I, I'd say maybe Tanganga cost us a point, but for me the selection cost us three points because I think if we did play in a more attack-minded way, if we did give um, Ndombele a start, Heal a start, you know, the things we already talked about, I think we could have beaten Palace. I mean, Palace aren't a bad side. I remember when we were previewing this game, it's like, yeah, you know, Palace, are, they're not a walkover, but we should <laughs> we should be able to beat Crystal Palace. Come on. You know, it's not like we're going away to Old Trafford or Anfield here. We're playing Crystal Palace. So I think the selection cost us this this game in terms of I, we were never going to win it when we saw that lineup. Like Lucas, I already mentioned, Lucas said we'd be lucky to have a shot today. I think Nuno set up for the draw and probably maybe would have got a draw, but for the red card. But he, with that selection, cost us a game. So I'm going to give Nuno the LVP here. Yeah, and you actually uh, stole my uh, plan. I planned to swoop in at the end and to say you're all wrong. It's Nuno, um, but you but you kind of did it way more eloquently than I could have uh, before me. So uh, you're completely right. I mean, there's lots of guys that we could shout out for because um, I don't think um, uh, Tanganga was the worst player out there. Like his actual play was pretty good. Um, it, just the stupid error that cost us the point for sure. But I don't think we would have been in the position to just fight for that one point uh, if if Nuno hadn't set us up that that way. And like, and and to be fair, like if if Nuno set us up that way, and then like right after halftime, like okay, we haven't had any shots, and Dyer hadn't gotten hurt, and and if it, in this alternate reality he pulled Winks off at that point and put on attacking player and uh, and moved Delhi back to the midfield. And uh, and that changed the game, and something happened, and we actually uh, managed to score a, a goal. I would say, you know, no, I I can get behind what Nuno was trying to accomplish. I didn't agree with it at the start, but I could see that there's some value to just just hold it for half a game, and then we go for it. Um, but um, because of the injury, there was never a chance to go for it, and it didn't seem like he found a way to change the 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 tactics soon enough to um to alter this game so it's got to be lvp nuno for me as well um but great conversation there uh, as much as as painful as this what was like we knew we were going to lose at some point um we still have nine points 
Um, and yes, we've dropped down the table to to uh, like seventh or eighth, but there's a lot of matches left to be played. Um, we'll have players coming back from injury. Uh, this can get better. Um, I, I don't want to be too negative about this uh, this uh, this match. Um, we're going to see some ups and downs with Nuno. Um, Crystal Palace, I don't want to say, will be an outlier, but I think we're going to see more matches like this, but I think we'll also see more matches like the first three as well. Uh, so um, great conversation. Um, we do have a, 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 um, two matches to preview in the second half. We have both uh, re- the, the midweek Conference League match against Wren away coming up, and then we have the weekend uh, Chelsea home match. Um, but first, we are going to go to our halftime segment, Luke's Locks. All righty. Time to get you guys some free money here. We are going to start. We're going to take Friday game. We have Newcastle's at home versus Leeds. We're going to take over two and a half goals. Newcastle coming off a bad loss to United and Leeds coming off a beating from Liverpool. So look for both these teams to come out and try and score, uh, get a nice open game, and I expect a few goals. So over two and a half on that one. Uh, Then Saturday morning, this is kind of gross, but we're going to take Arsenal minus a half uh, away at Burnley. Like I said, it always feels gross to bet on Arsenal, but they should have no trouble with Burnley getting the win, so might as well take free money with it. Sunday morning, going to take over two and a half goals in the West Ham versus Man United game. Both these teams have had no trouble finding the net this year, and I expect to see West Ham score at least one and United to win, which puts us nicely over two and a half. And then finally, we're going to take under two and a half goals in the match between Chelsea and our beloved Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs have had a pretty difficult time scoring this year, and Chelsea are incredibly organized at the back, so I don't really expect us to score. And I fully expect us to come out similar to how we did against Palace, park the bus, and try and keep this game as low scoring as possible. So under two and a half goals on that one. There are your four free locks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Thanks, Lucas, as always. And, yeah, I think that was probably pretty savvy on our match for sure. And we'll get to that when we get to when we discuss Chelsea. Um, but first, I want to talk about this Conference League match. So, um this will be the first match of the group stage for the Conference League. Wren uh, uh, away, and I think that's the correct pronunciation. Um, but though I admittedly struggle with my French pronunciation, I once uh, traveled to a, a, a place in uh, France from Paris, and it was uh, I, I, I asked for a ticket to Chartres, and they, they looked at me like I was nuts and said, no, it's uh, Chartres. I'm just like, well, that means something completely different here in the United States. But um, but regardless, yeah, so I went to Chart. Um, but I think I got the 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 uh, uh, Ren right here. Uh, but we take on Ren away this uh, Thursday, September 16th. It's it's the earlier uh, match, uh, so that will be 11:45 uh, here in Chicago. Um, so currently, uh, Ren sits in 11th place in League One. With five points, that's one win, two draws, and two losses. Um, uh, their most recent match was a 2-0 loss at home to Reims. Um, they lost to uh, Angers uh, prior to that, beat uh, uh, Rosenborg in the Conference League prior to that, um, beat uh, Nantes, and then uh, beat uh, Rosenborg again in the Conference League, those two legs. Um 
upcoming uh, on Sunday the 19th, they will take on Marseille away. Uh, Their top goal scorer right now is Gaetane Laborde with three. Uh, Top assist uh, player, um, there was three players, uh, uh, Mailing, Santa Maria, and Tate all have one. So they're not getting a lot of uh, uh, midfield assists out of any particular player. Uh, uh, Laborde is also their top rated player with 7.33. Benjamin Beauregard is behind him with 6.95. And Hamari Traore is behind him with 6.94. So just uh, not players that we've really heard about there. Um, uh, But they are a team that floats up and down in in, in Ligue 1. So they aren't necessarily pushovers. Um, we have no previous meetings against Renton, so, uh, so this will be a first time taking them on. Um, and this is the away match, and I think probably what's most interesting about this match is, uh, with, given the injuries that we have, we don't know when people are going to come back. That's the Tanganga red card. Um, uh, I, uh, uh, we're not really sure who we're going to play, so let's, uh, let's start with uh, Joe first, and uh, who, who do you think we're going to play here? Oh, good question. I mean, with the Chelsea game coming up and with the amount of injuries and players missing, quarantined and all that stuff, um, <laughs> we don't have a massive amount of um, choice, really, do we? Um, I, I do think he'll rotate here, and I think we should rotate, really. We should always prioritise the Premier League, especially over this bloody conference. I, I mean, to be honest, even if we lose to the to Ren, it's not a disaster. The, Ren are the... Are the better team in the group apart from ourselves, so we can afford to lose it to them, and we'd still go through. It'd be it'd be fine. Um, so with that in mind, I do think we'll rotate a lot. I really hope Kane doesn't play. He needs a rest. I know he's been on vacation as recently as about a month ago, but since he got back, he's been playing nonstop. You know, England of course played him in all. You know, like they always do, flog him. Um, so I'd like to see. I don't know, maybe is Scarlett a bit too young though? I don't know. Do we have any other options as forwards? Son's injured, so this is where our lack of transfer activity kind of bites us in the backside. I'd like to see someone like Jack Clark given a chance, you know, just he's not on loan, he's in the squad. Surely throw him out in this game, right? Um and Don Bellet would be the first name on the team sheet. He needs minutes, of course, if we're gonna to start to integrate him in the in the league team. Um yeah, I don't know what, what the what do the rest of you guys think? Uh, let's go to Sam next. Yeah, personally for me, I'd like to see a lot of rotation, but um, but for me, why not throw someone else down? Why not uh, put a uh, Dane Scarlet out or even a Dylan Markandy? Why, why why not run him out if he's you know having a great season with the U23s, he's 19 years old. Um, he was included in the squad last week, and why not give him a, a shot there? You know, I kind of expect us to, you know, kind of park the bus a little bit um, in this game. Um, I really kind of view this as like the Antwerp game last year where we're playing, you know, not a good team, but a tough team away in this you know, and we've got, you know, matches against um, Chelsea, Wolves, and Arsenal coming up. 
you know, just, just might as well throw out someone new for crying out loud. Let's go to Lucas next. Yeah, I, I definitely expect to see a lot of rotation in this one. As Joe had mentioned, with our group, this is the one – this is going to be the toughest of the – this is going to be the toughest of the games that we have in the group stage. Um, I think it's the – I mean, with – as Sam had mentioned, the answer, this is the one that we can afford to lose. Um, and especially with – as Sam had mentioned, it's like right after we have Chelsea and then we have Wolves away for the League Cup, which we should be prioritizing. Um, and then right after that is Arsenal. So there's a lot of games. There, that's three tough opponents right in a row after this one. I definitely agree with Joe. I would like to see Ndombele first name on the team sheet. Uh, probably the second name on the team sheet for me would be Tanganga because he can't play against Chelsea anyway. So I would throw him out there immediately, get him a game on Thursday, maybe get his head back on him. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely expect a ton of rotation. Um, and I don't expect to see Kane. Um, these are, this is the one game, again, we're, it, we don't even have to really, there's not a lot we have to do to see ourselves get out of this group stage with the group that we have. Get a point away and something like in this one is, would be perfect. Win the games you have at home and you can pretty much walk through this group. Um, but yeah, I would like to see some of the young guys get talent or some of these young talented guys that we have get minutes because Jack Clark, perfect example. If you're not on loan, you got to have some games somewhere and that was what I was actually excited getting in. That's why I wanted to see us go through against those Portuguese farmers, like get us these six games here to just get guys minutes. Um, I think we shouldn't have any problems getting through. Um, and if this game isn't as pretty because of all the rotation and stuff, so be it. We'll have more than enough opportunities to get guys minutes and get through this group without a problem. Yeah. And I think you're right. Tanganga, Dane Scarlett. I would I want to see Jack Clark. Um, I, I think an Ndombele can try and hold some of this together. Um, I think you might need one or two key players uh, in the squad. Uh, we obviously don't have a ton of center backs to work with right now, so there's that issue. Uh, so we also have to keep that in mind. Uh, uh, so there's a, a lot to consider, but I think we can play a younger squad, and even if we lose, drop these three points, I think uh, as long as we don't drop by too much uh, – I think that it'll be more important to hold the defense together so we can come back home and we can play from the safety of our own home, whatever players we need to get the points there when we take on this team. Uh, Joe? It's a shame that Sessegnon got injured, isn't it? Because this would be a perfect game for him as well. Like, yeah, like Jack Clark, Sessegnon, you know, these guys who we've, they've been here a while now. This is their third season and they've been on loan and they've been injured a lot of the time and we just haven't, seen anything you know we paid 10 million for jack clark uh, lest we forget we also paid 30 million for session and it's not that i don't i mean i i think session has got a a lot of potential in particular but he just seems to be injured so often he just can't catch a break um so i'm hoping he's back soon and that these games can get some momentum going for him because he, he he needs that now you know he the club can only be patient with these players for so long until they kind of decide to cut their losses you know um so uh, yeah I, it's a shame that session got injured I, I think Anthony you kind of hit on what I was going to mention as well I think it's a bit of a risk I love what Sam said of throwing like Markaday out there apparently he's been awesome in the under 23s and he's apparently a really exciting player I've never seen anything of him other than just clips but 
I think you do need a few senior players in there. I think you do maybe need like a Ben Davis. Not that <laughs> no one's going to get excited to see Ben Davis play, but I think you need someone like that with, you know, international experience just to just to be a steady head. You can't just throw a bunch of like uh, teenagers out there. Otherwise, we'll probably get smashed. You know, it's probably going to be pointless then. Yeah, and Ben Davis, we didn't even talk to talk about with the, the Crystal Palace game. He was not looking very good. He was awful. He yeah. was a contender for LVP for sure. Yeah, he, I, I, and I figured somebody would have mentioned him at least as a dishonorable mention there. But I do agree with you. I think he would be perfect for this match. Um, you know, we, we need to give our other fullbacks uh, a rest, and like, and he's somebody who's shown that he can be a captain for the team. Like, he, he definitely has been with Spurs a long time, and uh, he's got his head on straight, even if he's not the best performer out there. I think he would be a good call for this match as well. Um, let's go to predictions on this one. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with Sam first this time for uh, predictions. Um, I think um, we'll go with a, a low-scoring affair. Um, I think a one-one draw in this situation is a is a fairly safe bet. I, I don't I don't feel confident in us getting a win away against uh, what could be you know an opponent with their hearts set on beating us, especially with when we got two big league fixtures plus a league cup fixture ahead of us. Um, so go one one. I'll give the goal to um, Indombele. Okay, good shouts there. Let's uh, go to Joe next. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking along similar lines, Sam. I mean, I, this is a good opportunity to get young players minutes that'll benefit them long term, and they'll be that'll do them a lot of good. You know, think Harry Kane only really came into the team back in 2014, 13, 14, because of the Europa League. Kane was playing in these crappy Europa games, and Adebayor was the main striker. And then, obviously, the rest is history. As they say, Kane became Kane. But this was what gave him the chance, and I think there's a lot of value in that. So I'd love to see some of the younger players get a chance. Um, But for this game... I think this is going to be quite tough because they're obviously they're from the French league. You know, this isn't like we're playing a team from Moldova or Belarus or somewhere. I I, I don't think this is going to be, and bear in mind, we lost to the Portuguese team. I'm going to agree with Sam and say one, one goal scorer. Oh gosh. It's hard to say who knows who's going to play. Um, Let's say Dane Scarlett gets the goal. Yeah. A good shot there. And Lucas, what do you got? Uh, I just uh, can't really see us getting a goal with how difficult it is throwing a hodgepodge mix of a side together that's probably not going to be very fluid. I don't expect there to be a lot of creativity and us having the ball in their half, especially with the fullbacks that we're probably going to be playing. I expect to see Doherty play. Winks probably will be out there. I, I don't really see us scoring, but like this is a French side that probably be up for it a little bit more than we will so i probably think we're gonna give up a goal and probably lose one nil that's my prediction one nil to them you know it's funny because like i was going similar to you guys the the whole time that i was listening i was thinking i was going to do either a draw or like a 2-1 loss 2-1 loss is kind of what i had in my uh feed that i thought i was going to predict 
But now that I'm starting to think about it a little bit more, like this is a team that's struggling in their own league right now. I mean, they, they're, they're losing the teams they should beat. Um, like they very well uh, might be looking at Conference League this, the same way we are. And, yeah, I think they're going to play a stronger side because it's their home leg. But I think we might see them uh, um, not, not take this as seriously as we think they might simply because they are in a, a, a more competitive league than uh, some of the other teams that we're going to face. Um, so I'm going to change up my thinking, and I'm going to say uh, it's a 2-1 it's a two, two win, a surprise win for us, even though uh, I, I'm not sure how we're going to get to those goals. But I do think uh, we're going to see a Dane Scarlet goal. Um, and I, I'm going to say that the second goal will, will come from somebody uh, – we don't necessarily expect. I think it's uh, going to be come from like a Ben Davies. Um, like he, he likes to take a distant shot uh, at, uh, around the edge of the box now and then, and I could see one of those going in here. Um, uh, Joe, uh, you want to jump in there? Yeah, just very quickly, Anthony. I was just <laughs> I was googling FC Ren earlier to do my uh, great research into them. There's only one player that, and Sam know, knew of him as well, Jeremy Doku, who is a very good player. He plays for the Belgian national team. He played in the World Cup. Um, uh, sorry, in the Euros, I should say. He was he was playing for them. He's injured. So he's their best player and he's injured. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. That might help your prediction, Anthony, because uh, that might give us a bit of, better chance. Yeah, I mean, like they seem to be struggling too when you look at their league record and like their place in the league right now. Like, I, I mean, they, they could be in a similar position to us where they got that match coming up against Marseille that they have to think to worry about. Um, it might be similar to us. Like, we're thinking our brains are on Chelsea. Um, so we might get get lucky at the timing of the, that we face them is all I'm thinking. It's just kind of the alternate theory here that I, I would love to see. But I, I think you guys are probably more right with your draws. And, uh, but I'll, I'll be the one who tries for a win because uh, – I'll take on the the points if you guys are all wrong. So, um, but great conversation there, um, and I wanted to transition the conversation into the the second match this week, which this is a, a London derby, a very big match for us. Um, I think kind of poor timing coming back off of this international break situation, but at least we have a little bit of time, and hopefully the the chance of a player like Sun possibly coming back into the squad. It's tough to predict at this point. Maybe a Bergvine coming back into the squad. Um, but currently, uh, Chelsea sits in second place in the league with 10 points. That's three wins, one draw, and zero losses. Um, their form, uh, most recently, they had a 3-0 victory this Saturday to at home to Aston Villa. Uh, prior to that, they drew Liverpool. They beat Arsenal. They beat Crystal Palace. Um, and they drew Villarreal in the UEFA Super Cup. Um, prior to fi- uh, facing us, they do have a, a, a home match to Zenit on Tuesday, uh, the 14th. So, uh, so they 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 have to t- have their Champions League match prior to, to to facing us, but they get a little bit more rest before they see us. Um, after us, they do have also have a Carabao Cup match on Wednesday, September 22nd against Aston Villa. So similar to us, we drew Wolves. They have Aston Villa. Neither of us have, a, I could say, an easy uh, cup competition there for the Carabao Cup. And then Saturday, they take on Man 
Chester City at home. So they got another big match coming up next weekend. So there's that to think of. But of course, we have Arsenal coming up the week that weekend. So um, so I don't know if that all balances out. Um, their top goal scorer right now is uh, Lukaku with three. Um, there's three other players with uh, Havertz, James, and Tabala for with one. Um, top assists uh, are, is a tie between uh, um, Mateo and, and Reese James with two. Um, top rated player is Chabala with eight. Uh, Lukaku behind him with 7.92 and Mendy behind him with 7.87. The last five times that we faced Chelsea have not looked very good for us. Um, we most recently lost to them 1-0 in the, the league in, back in February 2021. Uh, we drew them 0-0 um, in November 2020. Um, we had a 1-1 uh, win in the League Cup uh, on penalties uh, in September 2020. Um, we uh, lost to them 2-1 in February 2020, and then back to December 2019, we lost uh, 2-0. Uh, so it hasn't been great for us uh, against Chelsea Obviously, the home fixture, we'd like to at least show a good performance. We're getting them at kind of a rough time, given everything that's come up. But what do you guys think on this uh, Chelsea match? Uh, Let's start with uh, Lucas first. I think you kind of flicked your hand up first. Yeah, I I definitely expect this one to be uh, very low scoring on our end. I don't see us... It is kind of a weird it, – it's just unfortunate timing-wise with all the injuries and shit like the red card and the, the quarantines and all this shit where it's kind of all culminated on this game for us. And it sucks that we're coming off the back of this Palace game because a lot of me doesn't really think that Nuno can afford to set up another game like he did against Palace because the fans are going to start to get kind of testy because it wasn't as if we were banging in goals the first three games. And I get that there was City is a tough one and Wolves away is always tough. But I think that we've kind of expected out of Nuno to have something similar to the style with Wolves where they're kind of going forward, playing some more attacking wingback style, like bombing forward. And I don't think that's 100% on him yet that we haven't seen it, getting used to his team. We're still getting guys back, but... I just, it, it's unfortunate that I don't think we're going to see it this game. And I think we're going to probably set up behind the ball and try and keep this as low scoring as possible. And I expect to probably see, is Sanchez able to play? Do you guys know? Will he be able to? It looks like they will be able to play. And that, that will be the kind of the question here. Like, uh, um, do we, we have a couple guys that are going to be training together, uh, but not with the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, do we use Romero Sancho's partnership here because they train together, or do we uh, uh, use I, I guys that so the team? That's what I, I was going to ask about Romero and Sanchez. I, I, you have to play Romero here. If you paid the money you paid for him, you know what he's capable of. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't really matter yet. I, it, his lack of partnership with somebody. Look, we'll we'll develop that kind of partnership in time. But as of right now, it's like you can't afford to have a guy sit on the bench like that when you know that Chelsea's going to have the ball for 80, 85% of the possession. They're going to be coming at us trying to find ways in and score. So you, you can't have a guy like Romero, if he's able to play, can't have him sitting on the bench watching well. Yeah, well, uh, let's go to uh, – Sam wants to jump in on that fast. Yeah, well, I just want to say this about Romero. It's 
um, his experience in this situation. Um, you know, you're going to need, uh, obviously we paid a lot for him. Invested, he's, you know, brought in to be the player that we needed in the offseason. Furthermore, his experience against Lukaku in, in Serie A, Lukaku had his best seasons ever playing for uh, Inter the last couple of years. Um, Romero's seen him more than his share of times. He, I, I think Romero, you know, we may not like it, but I think it's necessary for him to play for us to get any kind of points in this game. Excellent point there, Joe. I think he's got a good record as well, Sam. I think Romero... I heard I, someone was saying, I forget where I heard it now, but someone was saying Romero against Lukaku. He, he actually, Romero does have a good record playing against him. So I, I agree, you've got to throw him in there. And kind of like Lucas, I think Lucas was about to go down this avenue, is if Sanchez and Romero were together on this Croatian island or whatever, for God's sake, the club has to have a bit of a brain here. And why not arrange a few games against local teams, something, just get Romero and Sanchez practicing as a part. Even if it's just the communication aspect, getting used to one another, getting used to their positions, you've got to make use of that time. The club is sending coaches out there to coach them. So it's not like they're going to be just sat around, you know, drinking or whatever. They're going to be training for Tottenham and they're going to be doing it in this weird situation, admittedly, but there is some value to it. Um, Anthony, you asked a question about when they are, maybe Lucas asked a question. They get back on the day before the Chelsea game. So not a huge amount of time, but again, this is preparation that they can have on this uh, training uh, retreat that they're in in Portugal. Uh, sorry, Croatia. So that, I, I'd agree with you guys. I think you've got to play those two for sure, especially with Daya being injured. Yeah, and I think there's like a value to th- them playing together, and I I agree with you. If there's a way to get them playing against actual people, not just like some weird three way drill or something like that with Celso, like it's so, something of value that gets them used to playing together and coming back in, that might be more valuable than um, than people that have played with the the actual squad and trained with the actual squad all week, because you have the guy that's used to playing against Lukaku. You have Sanchez, who's, who's looked really good this year, even without Ramirez next to him. Um, like uh, They probably are our best center-back pairing right now, for better or worse. And um, like uh, against Chelsea, I think we're better off, e- even, even if there's some flubs with the communication with the midfield that might come up. Like I think we'll be better with them uh, like holding us together um, at the back. Then, then not is kind of what we have to look at. I mean, yes, Rodon, Rodon looked pretty good uh, this week against Palace, but um, but I still think uh, we need the best possible pairing out there. Um, Sam, you want to jump back in? Oh no, um... Sam, you're muted. Oh, yeah, you put yourself back on mute accidentally. There we go. Good now? All right. Well, I was just thinking, just thought just came to me. If Roden looked so good last week, um, Romero and Sanchez have been trained together, why not try the back three in this game, you know? You know, can't say it's going to help. But could it hurt against, you know, an informed Chelsea side? Probably not. 
you know, why not try that? And, you know, maybe try the wingbacks with Regulon, Doherty, or Royal. Um, possibly see a midfield three of Delhi, Moybaron, and uh, LaCelso. Why not try it? I, it may not help, but I don't think it's going to hurt in this game. Well, and if Sun's back, I mean, I could see that. Like, if you're talking like a, a three, uh, like a three, four, or I'm I'm doing my numbers wrong here, but like uh, yeah, like if you're talking about two up top and then like uh like the wing backs and and like a defense two defensive midfielders, I mean it could be really steady in the defense and uh, uh it would give like a Emerson and uh, and Regulon a opportunity to really get forward. I mean it could be an interesting uh maybe it's some of that like oh he can play attacking uh, football. That we all were told uh, when when we brought Nuno in, and we haven't quite seen yet. Um, maybe that's a long shot, but it, it's certainly a hopeful way of looking at it. Um, what do you guys think on that type of uh, formation? Uh, would you want to see three at the back here, uh, even with our injuries at center back? Uh, Joe, um, I mean Nuno's done it at Wolves. Uh, you played five three two quite often at Wolves, and it. I mean, if Sun's, I think it all depends on if Sun's available, to be honest, because if Sun's available, then you've got a 5 3 2, and the two would be Sun and Kane. And as we've alluded to, um, we look so, we really do lack creativity. I mean, not just in the game against Palace, but if you actually look at the statistics for the season, obviously we've scored three goals. Two of them were from dead balls. One was a penalty, one was a free kick. Um, so we've only got one goal from open play in four games and we've not looked remotely creative. So I think, like Sam says, it wouldn't, <laughs> we can't be any less creative than we have been so far. Um, and I do think Regulon and Emerson potentially could get some decent, um, if they do get in advanced positions, could cause some problems. So I wouldn't be against that. But I think if Sun's not available, I don't think it, it would work. And I, I don't know if he's going to be fit. So I'm not really sure. Yeah, a lot comes into whether Sun's available or not, and, and clearly it doesn't seem they, like they're ready to play Brian Hill in this type of situation yet, like uh, on the attack. And I get what they're saying; like he's still raw, like he he has a tendency to um, not not play the expected role. Like he he tends to wander a little bit with his dribbling and and. It, and not hold to a position or a formation expectation that Nuno, I think sometimes has. Um, but, um, but he's really the only other guy that I think that we have that can, can do that sun role and that type of formation. So yeah, if sun's not available, then I, I don't see that working, but there are, uh, rumors that maybe sun might be available by Chelsea. And you, you just never know if that's, uh, just smoke and mirrors to, to make Chelsea, uh, uh, set up as if Sun might be available or not, or um, or if it's something else, and then then you don't know if Bergvine's going to be available at this point. And uh, like we've been, we were successful against the uh, City with like uh, with that th- three man a- attack with uh, with Lucas uh, Sun and Bergvine, and then uh, you know we were able to get past Wolves with. Kane, Son, and Bergvine. So 
uh, like if Bergvine's available, are we better off with Bergvine becomes the question as well. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, well, I think one thing that Joe had touched on there too with just uh, the lack of creativity is that's something we've all kind of come to expect because with with losing like Vinicius and Bale, I think between the two of them, they had 27 goals between the two of them. And you could argue, well, Vinicius's were in Europa or other shit or Marine, but like there was, there was 27 goals there that we haven't really, it doesn't seem like we found a way that we're going to replace those 27 goals. And that's been the thing that's been on all of our minds. Like Joe had mentioned one goal from open play and four. And so this is now where some of these guys on this team have to decide, are you going to try and step up and, become the answer to where we get some of those goals. And these are the opportunities to do it. Um, if there's going to be Sun, if, if Sun's not healthy or can't play, or if Bergvine can't, it, it's going to be on someone like LaCelso or Lucas or even an Adambale, or someone has to step up and try and start filling in some of these goals that we've lost. Because uh, other than Kane and Sun, to this point, you haven't really felt like those goals were going to come from anywhere or anywhere other than those two. And I think, like, I what I would love to see out of this game at least is I don't have the answer in terms of what Nuno's going to do. Otherwise, I would be making millions of dollars as a Premier League manager. But um, I would definitely like to see something that is at least just not the predict uh, the predictability that was Palace. I would like us to at least try something new, whether that be five at the back or or three center backs or playing our wing backs instead of full back. Like, if there's anything at least that we try that is different. I just, I just don't want to see us do what we did against palace in the sense that we set up and know exactly how this game's going to go. And now we got to sit there and watch the most predictable nonsense for 90 minutes. Cause that's just going to be excruciating. But if we have a go at it and we try something new and it doesn't work, so be it. We were in a tough spot always against this game anyway, but I just, I just don't want to see the predictability factor again, cause us to play 90 minutes of nonsense. And I think that's the real question here. Like, there's two paths for Nuno. One is, like, uh, we try something different and get more attacking, or we just play it safe and play defensive and hope that we can uh, do what we did against City and kind of scrape out a result. Um, And I think it's probably more likely that that second option is what we're going to see, but... um, but I think there's value to considering the other ap- ap- approach um, as long as you are defensively sound. And But if you really try and uh, to, to, to put some faith in, in maybe a young player that's still a couple years away, put like some faith into a Brian Hill if Sun's not available. Uh, maybe- well, Anthony, to your point, too, sometimes that's where we've seen those situations work, where – we saw Mourinho did that several times. He did it with Tanganga and he did it with Roden. Pochettino showed a lot of the hesitation in giving somebody like even when we bought Ndombele and Ndombele wasn't featured right away. Same thing with Lacelso. But then when you see Jose took over and all of a sudden it was Tanganga's first game, he was throwing him a home against Liverpool. Or like even Joe Roden, his first game was I think Chelsea last year. It was just like, Well, we got you. I trust you. You're in there. Start. And it worked out great. So sometimes you need to show these young kids that as the manager, you have a little bit of faith in them. And maybe that could be the launching point for a great Brian Hill career is if it's, hey, we trust you. Go out there and do your thing against Chelsea. Or sometimes that can actually work great. So maybe that is the move. And they're an unexpected player that maybe they're not prepared for because they're expecting us to play it safe. 
Um, Joe? Yeah, I, I mean, I love that idea. And that, not to beat a dead horse on the Crystal Palace game, we already talked about it, but this, even like, just even Luke, what Lucas was saying then was just, he is just annoying me so much that we didn't play Brian Hill in that game. Because as well as anything else, like you said, that was the chance to introduce him and, and start to get him accustomed to the league. But moreover, from Nuno's point of view, it's like the fans are a lot more have a lot more goodwill if you take a chance with a kid like we like those examples that Lucas gave them with Rodon and Tanganga etc fans have a lot more goodwill if you lose the game but you at least tried playing uh, you know you you gave a kid a debut they're going to be much less critical than if you play Winks Skip and Hoybier three of the most you know, functional, attritional midfielders imaginable in the same midfield. Like, fans aren't going to have any patience if that backfires, but they will have patience if you at least try giving Brian Hill a, a game and just seeing, even if it doesn't work, like, we, you were trying something, you rolled the dice a little bit. So I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And if Sun, again, if Sun's injured, I, I'd, I'd absolutely be in uh, agreement with you. I think that would be a, a, a good option for sure. Yeah, great, Joe. Uh, do, do you want a final point before we go to predictions, Sam? Like, uh, you were definitely waving that you were agreeing with what both Lucas and Joe were saying. That's why I wanted to give you a chance to agree. Yeah, let agree with them. You know, we might as well just give someone a chance here, whether it be like Roden or or Hill, um, even if it's just like for an appearance at a critical point in the second half. You know, if we're you know, if we're at a point where, you know, it's like 60 minutes in, it's like 1-1 one, one or nil-nil, like like it was in the first week against City. You know, there may be a – we've hung on this far. And just give the guys a chance. You know, it's not – like I said before, it's not going to help. It may not help, but it sure as hell won't hurt. Well, and to dare is to do. I mean, like when all is said and done, like uh, this is the great opportunity to – to show like yes like we brought in Nuno because we have a better team than he's used to playing and show that you can use those attacking tools as well like uh, like uh, there's a chance to show that you can do that and maybe he's not that coach but um but I think like he's got to try at some point um and uh what better time when there's injuries and and other mitigating factors to give it a try because uh, if we try and fail there, uh, at least we can say, well, there was injuries. Like, this is what the option we had to go with. Um, great conversation all around there, guys. Uh, let's go to uh, 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 a prediction round. And let's start with Lucas first for predictions. All right. As I mentioned in Luke's locks, I definitely see this one being low scoring. Nil-nil um, or 1-1, one, one, but... I'll be optimistic and think we'll get a goal. So I'll say one one and Kane gets his gets on the mark for another golden boot and gets his first Premier League goal of the season for us. One one goal to Kane. Okay. That sounds good. Uh well maybe not good, but it sounds like something predict possible. Uh let's go to uh Sam next. Um to be honest, I I, I don't feel confident that we'll get – I think we'll we'll show up this time, uh, this game, unlike we did the last game. I think last game was kind of a trap considering all that we had going on off the pitch. And 
and like the the games ahead of us. Uh, but I think we lose two uh, one. I give the goal to Harry Kane. Um, I but I think we lose on a late one. I'm I'm just basically preparing to have my heart broken at this moment, and kind of like get in that mindset. Well, I can where whereas I can go on the rest of my day just thinking. Yeah, I, I expected that. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. Um, let's see, Joe, I think you're next. Well, I'd love to be very upbeat and say we're going to win 4-0, but I would be lying to everybody and myself especially. So I think Luke's locks is bang on this week with low scoring. I, I just don't see us scoring. I hate to, I, I be, Mainly because I don't think he'll try things we kind of speculating about. I think he'll play another safe team. I don't think we'll see that aberration of a midfield again, thankfully. I think Delhi will probably go back and it will be Delhi and Hybier and Skip. Um, again, Son, we don't know what's going on. We don't know if Bergwijn will be fit and so on, but I, we're just creating so few chances and Chelsea are so, so well organised. Um, I actually read a statistic that since Mendy, the goalkeeper of Chelsea, came into the team, he's kept more clean sheets than he has conceded goals, which is uh, actually ridiculous when you when you think about that um, for a few minutes. It's it's <laughs> impressive. I don't see a scoring, and sadly, I think we lose this game. I'm gonna gonna be a harbinger of doom and say we lose this game two 0 Sadly, just well, yeah. mainly because I just don't see us troubling them I, don't, I think they're too good defensively and we're just lacking creativity I think we'll play better I agree with Sam I think we'll try our hearts out but I don't think we'll uh, we'll do enough well it, it, and to your point like it's rare that you see a goalkeeper pop into like the top rated players in the rating system it ju- uh, so for Mendy to show up there shows that he is having a good uh, good year for sure um, yeah, I agree that like there's no way that this is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I I think we're going to have a two-one loss. I as much as I want to, I I think it is going to be more similar to the City performance, though. I I think we're not going to be disappointed with the performance, but I think we're still going to come away with a loss in this one. I am going to give our goal to. Um, I, I think I got to give it to Kane. I mean, I think Kane's the only person that's going to be capable of scoring in this type of match with their defense so strong. Um, like he's the only guy that would be able to weave some magic and pull off a, a goal. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Um, but um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're we're all wrong and we see a very good uh, Spurs performance here. And maybe some of the stuff that we talked about with some take, taking some risks, we do see. Um, but it's probably unlikely. Um, I'm going to ask everybody for final thoughts on the week uh, or, or the week to come before we wrap up the episode. Any uh, Anything final before we go? Uh, Sam? Just want to say, like, you know, we're still very, very early on in the season. Um, things could change. You know, hopefully by December, you know, other than the last couple of years, December's like that's when we kind of get it on and start um, looking our best. Um, just, you know, things 
may not be good for this weekend, but it's like, you know, that that was our first loss. Um, ho- hopefully, you know, things turn around and it's still, it's still one yeah. of our best starts. And like, uh, other than the competition that we have co- coming up, like these, like Chelsea and then uh, the North London Derby, th- th- that's what's I think scary about this time, given this performance against Crystal Palace. But we've had the great start so far, uh, Joe. Yeah, I know Sam. Good effort with the upbeat thing there. I I agree. I think there's a lot of positives. If you look, if you'd have said to any of us on this podcast, or probably anyone listening to this. Would you take nine points out of twelve for the first four games? A hundred percent, everyone would have said yes. The fact that we, I, in my opinion, we only really played well in the City game. I think the Wolves game wasn't too bad. It was a good, really good result. Not, you know, we, we could have drawn that game. Watford wasn't that convincing, and obviously we know what happened at Palace. But we're in a good position with the nine points. I think, in terms of expectations, just let's just consider that the top four. That is already the top four, by the way. It took week into week four for City, United, Liverpool, and Chelsea to be the top four, and it already is, right? That's just, <laughs> and I think that's going to be the top four for the rest of the season, sadly. Um, and I think we just accept that for now and just see anything other than fifth or sixth as, as being a potential bonus. Maybe we can do well in one of the cups. Um, but yeah, enjoyed it. I think Nuno's going to do a good job. I'm down on him this week because of the Palace game, but I hope he'll have learnt lessons from picking that midfield and we'll never see the, the like of it again, let's hope. Uh, you're muted, Anthony. You're talking, but you're muted. Oh, uh, Lucas, you look like you had a final thought too. Or no? Okay. Okay, well, great conversation there. and Thank you both Joe and Sam for ending this on a positive upbeat, but that about wraps up the episode. So thanks so much guys uh, uh, for being on today. Thanks to Joe, Sam and Lucas. Uh, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today. Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, uh, Lucas for Luke's locks, Kimberly for the logo. And as always the Atlantic bar and grill, it's great to be back there. Definitely come out midweek if you're in town uh, for that uh, match against uh, uh, Ren. And in uh, this weekend for Chelsea, which should be off the hook with some of the people coming into town that I've heard about. I'm really looking forward to that match. Um, find our merchandise at Big Ed Media. Uh, find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4 Come on, you Spurs.